Happy Sunday to all of our HOD podcast listeners. We are back once again with another podcast. And we are hoping and praying that you all have had a blessed Sunday. Um, we uh, know it's a little later in the day. Um, but we are still grateful to be able to bring you guys a brand new podcast for this week. Um, we are definitely looking forward to uh, coming together once again on the fourth Sunday of this month. And as always, uh, I am more than uh, grateful to be able to extend a warm welcome to all of you to come and fellowship with us at House of Deliverance Ministries at 30390 Fair Road here in Goldsboro, North Carolina where our services begin at 10 a.m. So uh, we definitely would love to see you uh, come through the door and to be able to enjoy Jesus with us. Um, Again, uh, you are all more than welcome to come and fellowship with us. And we do take all precautionary measures to make sure that we are all being as safe as possible in this uh, COVID time that we are in. And uh, we do all that we can to make sure that everyone is as safe as possible. Um, But we would love to see you come and fellowship with us. Uh, We are about to jump into this podcast. Give you guys exactly what you've been looking for. Because I know everyone uh, uh, who are our main faithful listeners have probably been looking down at their phone. Waiting and anticipating to see that notification that a podcast has been posted so uh wait no more we are here to deliver uh for the people of god and we pray that you all enjoy so as always sit back relax put your feet up for as long as you can uh evangelist lanice i know you are preparing yourself to throw those church socks on and to slide across your kitchen slash bathroom slash living room floor so uh Trust and believe I'm going to give you exactly what you need to uh, to give you that uh, that unction to jump up off your couch and uh, put a little bit of footwork in. So with all that being said, let's jump into the podcast.
Y'all ready? I know y'all know this one. Let's do it! All of my life, I never known you to fail. You remain the same man. Wonderful is All of my life, I've never known you to fail. You remain the same man. Wonderful is your name.
Jesus. Somebody just tell Jesus. All right, Genesis chapter 37. Y'all hold on, I don't have no glasses on. Oh, y'all laughing, some of y'all get older. Some of y'all already old. <laughs> Genesis chapter 37, beginning at verse 18. I'm reading from, uh, it's a relatively new translation that I really like. It's called the clear word. And I'm reading from that translation this morning, beginning at verse 18. When they saw him in the distance, they said, hey, look who's coming, the dreamer. And they agreed to kill him as soon as he came into the camp. They sneered, that dreamer is coming to spy on us. Then he'll go and tell father how bad we've been. So let's kill him and throw his body into a dried up empty well. And we'll say that a wild animal killed him. Then we'll see what happens to his dreams. But Reuben overheard their plans and decided to save Joseph. He said, let's not kill him after all. He's our brother. Then he suggested instead of killing him and becoming murderers, let's just throw him alive into one of these empty wells and let him die. There are a number of them right here. He made this suggestion because he intended to rescue Joseph, send him back to his father before anything else could happen to him. As Joseph neared the camp, they waved at him. But when he got there, instead of hugging him, they grabbed him. They tore off the road dragged him over to a nearby empty well and dropped him in it. Then they sat down to eat and while they were eating, they saw a caravan in the distance. It was coming their way, heading south toward Egypt. When the caravan got nearer, they recognized the men as Ishmaelite traders coming from Gilead. The camels were loaded with all kinds of goods, including spices and balm and myrrh. Then Judah said to his brothers, if we let our brother starve to death in this well, we are actually killing him. Even if we say otherwise, after all, the trouble he's called us, caused us, we at least ought to get something out of this. Man, who needs brothers like that? Why don't we sell him to these Ishmaelites? Then no one can accuse us of killing our own brother. After all, he is our flesh and blood. And the brothers agreed. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God. Story said that they said, let's let's drop him in this dry empty well and see what happens to his dreams i want to preach for just a few minutes as the spirit shall guide with this thought in our minds he's with me in empty places he's with me in empty places you 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 really had to be hiding under a rock over the last few weeks to not have seen the tragedy of what transpired in Baltimore, Maryland in the aftermath of the senseless murder of Freddie Gray. Out of all the things that went down, I was preaching there this past Wednesday and Thursday and got a more intimate look and conversation on some of the things that actually happened. And out of all the things that, that went down, probably one of the most powerful was what happened at Camden Yards, the home of the Baltimore Orioles. 
What the media did not tell you was that those young activists were in the midst of a very peaceful march. But while in the midst of the march near Camden Yard, which is right downtown, what the media would not tell you was that in the midst of a peaceful march by activists, fans who were waiting to go into the game began to yell racist slurs that I will not even repeat. These, these young people who had come to what Malcolm Gladwell calls the tipping point were outraged by what was being hurled at them in a racist and insultatious way. And as a result of what was being said to them, because they were only marching peacefully, many of them began to lose every semblance of civility they had. When things went upside down, the city planners met with the Orioles management because they were in the beginning of a three-game series with the Chicago White Sox. And so the management decided that the best turn of events, as most of you already know, was not to cancel the next game, but to play it without the presence of fans in the stadium. So they were forced to play this game with nobody cheering them on. It brought to my mind a question, Bishop, as many were recounting all of this to me this week. Have you ever been in a place where you had to do your job knowing you didn't have any fans? <laughs> How many of us would be able to execute our responsibilities with excellence knowing that there was nobody there to applaud, appreciate, or encourage you. There, there, was, there were fans, I was told, there were fans that were incredibly disgruntled at this turn of events because they couldn't understand how they had bought tickets but were shut out of the game. <laughs> they, they could not understand, this is going to get good, how they paid the price to have access but were kept out by those in charge of the stadium gates y'all didn't get it they were mad because they couldn't figure out how they had paid the price to be in the stadium but the folk in charge of the stadium wouldn't give them and, and for one day Oreo fans knew what it felt like to be black they knew what it felt like to be a people who had paid the price but got shut out of the game by those in charge of the game. See, that's why you need to vote this coming Tuesday so you can make sure. So you can make sure that the right gatekeepers are at the gate so you can get access. Okay. Oh. They, they, for one day, they knew what it was like because we paid the price of admission through blood, sweat, tears and yet we have not been allowed
admission to the game. And when we get in the game, they try to change the rules. As, as I was watching Sports Center, something caught my eye. They, they, showed, they showed players from both teams in, in this empty stadium. This, and this was deep. They showed, they showed, I believe it was the first baseman for the Baltimore Orioles, walked over to the bleachers <laughs> and he had a pad and started writing like he was signing autographs. They, they, this is true. They showed another player who had baseball ba baseballs in his hand, throwing them into the stands like there was somebody there to catch it. And if you didn't know any better, you thought they were insane. But what one of them said in an interview was, since we had nobody there to cheer us on to win, we had to find the power of self-encouragement. Oh, this is going to get good. They, they, they were, in a real sense, much like David, who when he had nobody else, learned to encourage himself. In the, and some of y'all in here can testify right now. You don't have a life coach. You don't have a counselor's couch. You don't have a book you're reading. But you've had seasons where you had nobody else. And you had to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. As a matter of fact, if the truth be told, that's the only reason you haven't fallen apart. That's the only reason you haven't lost your mind. That's the only reason why you aren't bitter or angry or playing the victim. You learned how to encourage. Oh, okay, some of y'all look like you don't know how to encourage yourself. I'm switching because this ain't working right. Some of y'all act like you don't know how to encourage yourself. He may not come when you want it. yourself weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the some of you act like you don't know how to encourage yourself I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me some of you act like you don't know how to encourage yourself please get it together greater is he that is in me than he that is in some of you act like you don't know how to encourage be still and know that I am God some of you act like you don't know how to encourage yourself stand still and see the salvation of the some of you act like have you ever been in a situation where you were in the stadium of life all by yourself and you didn't have fans anywhere around you and you had to throw the ball to yourself and just say this joy that I have the world didn't give it to me and the world didn't take it from me do me a favor don't shake your neighbor's hand don't high five your neighbor high five yourself and say encourage yourself every now and then you've got to learn how to encourage yourself
Because there come seasons when you're in the stadium by yourself. Let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. You, you really don't know what it's like to have to survive until you are placed in an environment where there is nobody that's with you. Some of you in here who've had dreams and visions and goals can testify that once you got a dream and spoke it, uh, it became one of the loneliest experiences you could ever in encounter. It can get frustrating because the people, y'all cut it down a little bit, please, y'all work it out for me. The people who you thought would support you suddenly press the mute button. It, it can become frustrating when you have a dream but you are surrounded by people who speak against it because they are caught up on the facts while your spirit is caught up in the faith and you are trying to figure out how this dream is going to come about and I can imagine that's where Joseph found himself when things got rough he was alone in the stadium by himself it's interesting when you read the story that Joseph is hated by people he's done nothing to mm. as a matter of fact the, the, uh, the Bible declares read the story from the beginning that the father gave him this multicolored coat I'm coming back to that and they hate him because of the coat so that they hate him because of what is on him. If he were regular like everybody else, they wouldn't have had an issue. But the father gave him a colorful coat as a sign of his favor. They saw the colorful coat and got angry at the color God put on him. y'all slow they, they saw the color on him and got mad at the color they saw when he didn't ask for the color it was the father's choice that put the color on him y'all ain't trying to help me in here today that there will be some people who don't like you it's a multicolored coat. There's some folk ain't gonna like you whether you're black, you're white, you're yellow, you're dark, you're red bone, light skin. Y'all ain't trying to talk to me. There are people who, in the ignorance of their prejudice, will not like you just because of your color. But if the father gave you the color, be glad for the color you got. Whether you're dark, light, white, black, nappy hair, curly hair, long hair, short hair, weave, natural, perm, fat, tall, skinny, built, Denzel, Eddie Murphy, Beyonce, Janet Jackson, Jennifer Hudson, obese, whatever it is. Hey. 
They got, they got mad with him. And the Bible says they started plotting his demise when they saw him coming. Now get this. They saw him coming. He was still afar off. And they started to plot to get rid of him. When they saw him coming, they were plotting what they were going to do to kill his dream. There are people close up on you who you should have been able to trust your heart to. Who see you coming. They see you putting stuff in order. They see you working on the business plan. They see you getting your finances together. They see you paying off bills and getting your... They see, oh God, it's getting good. Now, they, 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 they see the sparkle in your eye at the business you want to start or the house you want to buy. And even before you get it, they start plotting to destroy it. Y'all ain't helping me. Because for many people, your success highlights their laziness. And they, they, they started... They started plotting to kill him. The Bible declares, I'm just going somewhere. They, they threw him into an empty well where he would be alone left to die. And I want to suggest to somebody today that's feeling alone that the worst thing the enemy can do is leave you by yourself. See, you ain't used to hearing that. You're used to hearing that if I'm by myself, I get tempted to do crazy things. But, but I want to show you from this that the worst thing the enemy can do is leave a child of God by themselves. Because if you get me by myself long enough and I survive, it's going to help me to realize that all I really needed was me and God. I wish I had a witness. If I have God on my side, I can survive anything that's done to me. Do I have a witness in here that even when you're by yourself, if God is with you, you can survive that divorce. You can survive that bankruptcy. You can survive that job termination. You can survive anything you go through. And the worst mistake the devil made was making you be by yourself. Because you discovered when you were by yourself, you had everything it took to hold on until the Lord delivered you. And you discovered that God will be with you even in empty spaces. Do I have any witnesses in here that can testify there have been some empty seasons and the only reason you survived it without losing your mind is because God was with you even in the empty places. This word this morning is for somebody who had to go through a season of prolonged unemployment when you couldn't pay your bills. He'll be with you in empty places. This is for somebody who feels like nobody is 
there to encourage you and lift you up he will be with you in empty places this is a word for somebody who got laid off of a great job after doing a great he will be with you in empty places I'm talking to somebody who's in this house by yourself with nobody to help you get it together he will be with you in empty places there are some things you can learn when God puts you in a place by yourself so hold your head up dry your tears cancel your pity party kick everybody out the party and stand still and know that even when you are in an empty place the Lord is there with you oh I forgot to tell you the Orioles played the White Sox in the empty stadium without anybody cheering or clapping and in that empty stadium they won the game because when you got God you can win even if ain't nobody cheering for you talk boy when you've got God you can get the victory even if ain't nobody there to see it how many of y'all today know God has given you some victories nobody saw how many of y'all know God has given you some victories nobody was there to cheer if you tried to tell them they wouldn't understand it because they weren't in the stadium the old folk used to say you don't know what the Lord has done for me you don't know you weren't there you don't know when and you won't don't know where would you do me a favor would you grab you one partner and do si do and tell them this next shout is for the victory nobody saw this next shout is for the battle nobody knew this next shout is for the victory nobody helped me get through this next shout is for the battle nobody helped me fight this next shout is for the victory nobody saw this next shout is for the victory nobody clapped me through I made it with God all by myself come on get your shout on it wasn't nobody but you and God in the stadium and he gave you the your name and tell him I can't even explain it to you that was the wrong neighbor turn on the other side tell him, I can't even explain it to you if I tried to you wouldn't even understand it and the reason you wouldn't understand it is because you didn't even know I was going through it because I got so much class I suffered without looking like it I got so much dignity I suffered without looking like it I got so much class I caught hell without looking like hell but I came by to let you know today that in the midst of the midnight hour when I couldn't call nobody couldn't text nobody couldn't tell nobody to come see about me the Lord picked me up he turned me around he dried my tears and I got the victory without nobody cheering sorry for some of y'all 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 looking at us like we don't know you're looking at me like why am I jumping around I'm a dignified preacher I'm 
sorry I just had a flashback to a victory nobody knew I was going through and if God gives you a flashback it'll make you start to shout all by yourself don't even turn to your neighbor don't look at your neighbor just look up and say thank you God can't nobody know what I'm talking about thank you God nobody was there to dry my tears thank you God places of your life that real favor is not on you it's in you hmm. the Bible declares read it that they stripped him of his coat they stripped him verse 23 says ripped off that coat I told you that coat represented the favor of the father. They got mad because he was wearing the father's favor. They took the coat because it was the coat that got on their nerves. Because the coat was the visible evidence hey, of the favor of the Father. But here's what they miss. You can take the coat, but you can't take the favor. Uh, see, see, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. His father gave him favor, but his God gave him a dream. And the dream ain't wrapped up in my coat. The dream is wrapped up in my mind. So even after the coat is gone, the dream still remains. Why? Because the favor for destiny was not on him. It was in him. So you can take my stuff, but it won't stop me because I know that God is the one that gave me the dream. And you can take everything I have, but it will not stop me because I know that what I need to get to where God has shown me is inside me. So fire me and I'll still open up the business. God, I wish I had a praying church in here today. I wish I had a praying church in here today. Fire me 
and I'll still buy the house. God help me in here today. Help me in here today. Dismiss me and I'll still go back to college. God help me. Flunk me and I'll sit out a semester and come back because I understand that favor for my future is not in the stuff you take from me. It is on the inside. Let me tell you something. What can't be stripped from you is the dream God showed you. Where are my dreamers? I'm looking for my dreamers. I'm come on. Dreaming of a home, dreaming of a business, dreaming of a position. I need you to understand that what cannot be stripped from you is what God showed you. I, I, I need you to get that in your head right, right, right through in here. That your dream is not tied to or dependent on what you have, but on who you have. And if you would ever stop trying to accumulate accoutrements, and just work on you. Have you ever noticed people like Malcolm Forbes, Steve Jobs, people who doing it big, never dress like they rich? We, we the only folk. that try to authenticate our somebodiness through our stuff. So you're going broke buying fake Louis Vuittons and... Oh, y'all are getting quiet. Buying cars you can't afford and... Come on, don't get quiet on me now. In, in debt trying to prove something to folk you don't even like. But notice, see, this is an old adage, I've heard this before. Folk who are wealthy don't have to dress like they're rich. Because you can be rich and not be wealthy. Rich means you just got a whole lot of money. That ain't gonna last you long. Wealth means you got money that's stretched beyond your time. Rich means you just got money sitting in the bank. Wealth means you taking that money, flipping it, rubbing it, run, yeah, and letting it make money for you. Our problem is, many of us cannot access our dreams and bring our dreams into reality because we're trying to look the part. But if you stop trying to get stuff and work on you, Baby, you can wear jeans and hot boxes and still walk in your dream. I wish I had a witness. You can drive a hoopty and drive it to the business you own. See, I ain't getting many amens right there because we think we got to have a certain look. I got to look the part. It don't make no difference to look the part if you can't be the part.
It's not in what you have. See, here's the other thing. If the favor and the dream are connected to God, this is so good, then what people do to you and whoever walks out on you won't impact you. Oh, let, 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 let me say that again. If the dream is from God, then what people do to you and whoever walks out on you will not depress you. Because empty spaces would teach you to get yourself together and help you to realize that you don't need other people to affirm your dream. Let me help you. This is going to be so tweetable. If you need people to co-sign your legitimacy and authenticity, you ain't ready for the dream. If I need people to co-sign on the legitimacy and the authenticity of who God made me, I ain't ready for the big time. When you know you got something, ain't nobody got to tell you. That's when you're ready. It all came to your mind because they made the mistake of putting you in empty spaces. There's something else. Sometimes empty spaces are preparation for future predicaments. Hmm. I've discovered this. Sometimes God will allow a situation at this time because of what God knows is coming at you in the future. And if it weren't for having gone through something prior to it, you'd have lost your mind when you went through it. See, that's why it's important to never sit in church and say, well, that ain't for me. I'm not going through that. It ain't for you today. But what you have to learn to do as a learner is file it away because there's coming a day where you're going to need the Holy Spirit to call back to your remembrance the lessons and principles you got on the day you claimed it wasn't for you. Somebody say, all right, that's good, but where are you getting that in the text? Check me out. The text says he loses his coat. The brothers concoct a lie and they throw him in a pit. He loses his coat. <laughs> they concoct a lie and they throw him in a pit. They took his coat, concocted a lie, and threw him in a pit. Keep your finger there. Jay walked two chapters to chapter 39. Uh, <laughs> and go down to verse 12. Um, she came up to Joseph, grabbed his coat, and said, sleep with me. I've arranged for everybody to be out the house. Nobody's here but us. My husband will never know. But Joseph 
ran out of his coat and ran from the house. When she realized that he had left her holding his coat, she started screaming. When the servants came running back into the house, she said, look at this. This Hebrew slave whom the, my husband trusts so much attacked me. Verse 16, she kept Joseph's coat until her husband came home. She told him the whole story. Hebrew slave you brought here came to the bedroom, attacked me. When I screamed, he ran, left his tunic. When Potiphar heard his wife's story, he pretended to be furious even though he doubted what she said. But he ordered his men to go get Joseph, arrest him, throw him into prison. Church folk don't know when to shout. She took his coat, concocted a lie, and they threw him in a prison. And Joseph never said a mumbling word. Do you know why? Two chapters early, they took his coat, lied on him, and put him in a pit. Y'all didn't catch it. Y'all didn't catch it. Joseph said, I've been through this before. And the last time it happened, God used it to elevate me. So I'm just going to sit right here and see what God's got next. See, some of y'all need to be rejoicing because this is not the first time you've been through something. And the last time you went through it, God brought you out. Look at somebody tell them the last time God brought me out and he will do it again that was the wrong neighbor turn on the other side and tell somebody God's gonna do it again I went through what I went through to teach me when I go through it again I can do a flashback and say God you brought me out the last time and if you brought me out the last time I know you'll bring me out. Is there anybody in here who knows this ain't your first struggle this is not your first trouble this is not your first difficulty. This is not your first situation. But high five three people and tell them the same God that brought you out before is the same God. Whatever it is you're going through right now, it's preparing you for a future battle and surviving this one is going to have you ready for the next one see that's why you act like you act with everything you're going through people trying to figure out how you going through what you're going through and you smiling and you got a positive attitude and you in church and you showing up to work on time and you laughing and kikiing they calling you fake they calling you phony tell them i ain't fake and phony but i through this before and the same God that was with me the last time is the same God that as a matter of fact I've got enough nerve to shout in advance of getting the victory see when you've been through stuff in your future watch this watch this you can prophesy your breakthrough even before you have your breakdown you ain't even had the breakdown yet but you already shouting over the breakthrough because you know you've been through this before and God brought you out the last. Has he ever brought you out? I said, has he ever brought you out? I said, 
said, has he ever brought you out? I said, has he ever paid your bills? Then why are you worried about being broke? Has he ever healed your body? Then why are you worried about being sick? Has he ever dried your tears? Then why are you worried about being by yourself? Has he ever fought your battles? Then why are you worried about your haters? He's the same God. You got to use what you've already been through and know that it's giving you previous preparation. That's, that's how Joseph could get into Egypt and survive and not complain even when they put him on a job beneath his gift. Because when you have survived having nothing, you know how to be thankful having anything. I'm, I'm done. The Bible says Joseph had two brothers that made suggestions. The first brother said, man, we can't kill him. Let's, let's, let's throw him in that pit. Let's get some blood. Say something happened to him. Starve him to death. But then he had another brother that looked down in that pit and refused to let him die. He had one brother, Jesus, that looked down in that pit and said, if I speak up, he will not be destroyed. He had one brother that said, if I open up my mouth, the power of what I say is going to save his life. That brother's name was Judah. Judah means praise. I can't get no help in here. So praise saved his life. See, the reason most of y'all can't say nothing is because y'all think that all praise is is a syncopated rhythmic response to something. No, praise is a weapon of warfare. That if you ever learn how to use it, it can absolutely save your life. I wonder are there any praisers in here who can say when I had nothing else, I had a praise. And the only thing that kept me sane was knowing how to give God the praise. I ain't talking to the quiet, cute folk. I want to talk to the folk this morning who know praise is your weapon. And if you ever open up your mouth, you can save your life. You can save your family. You can save your marriage. You can save your children. I just want you to high five somebody until a praise saved my life. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Joseph, I've heard this preach. And everybody go out on that. If you just praise him. Now that's good, but that ain't integrity to the text. Because in the text, Joseph ain't Jew. Joseph was not praised. His brother was. Yeah. 
when his brother spoke up, he got out. He didn't get delivered because he had a praise. He got delivered because he was connected to a praiser. That's why some of y'all better check your pew real quick. You better check your surroundings real quick. Because in this season, it ain't about you having a praise. In this season, it's about somebody being connected to you that knows how to praise when you can't praise. This is a season about having somebody in your life who knows how to open up their mouth on your behalf. The old church put it this way, somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, took the time and prayed for me. I want you to grab somebody real quick and tell them my next praise is not for anything I'm going through. Come on, look at them, tell them my next praise is not for my difficulty. Now look them back in the face and tell them don't get it twisted. I got some difficulties. I got some struggles. I got some obstacles. I've got some rough times. Tell them, but this next praise is not for what I'm going through. Tell them this next praise is to help you get through. Now look at them real quick and tell them, neighbor, let me introduce myself. Tell them my name is Judah. That was the wrong neighbor. Turn on the other side and tell them, neighbor, let me introduce myself. My name is Judah. What y'all doing? Put the organ in the monitors, please. Turn around to somebody else and tell them, neighbor, let me introduce myself. My name is Judah. And you're awfully privileged to sit in my space. Because when I open my mouth, everything you've been going through. When I open up my mouth, everything you've been dealing with. When I open up my mouth, everything that made you lonely. When I open up my mouth, every demon in hell is going to have to obey. When I open up my mouth and lift up my praise because I'm an intercessory praiser. I just ain't an intercessory prayer. I got intercessory praise. You better grab your neighbor's hand and say, neighbor, my next praise is for your family. Whatever your family's going through, my next praise is to help them get out. Whatever you're dealing with, my next praise is to help you get out. I need you to look your neighbor in the eye and tell them I need your praise because it's getting rough for me right now. I don't know how to do it for myself. I need your praise. Some of y'all better move your seat because it looks like you're sitting by somebody that don't want to be bothered with you. You better move your seat because it looks like you're sitting by somebody who wish you'd shut your mouth but find you somebody and tell them I need your praise. I need you to open up your mouth and help me praise my way through. I need you to open up your mouth and help me get up out this pit. I need you to open up your mouth and help me get delivered. I got to get out of here. 
to preach at four o'clock but I need somebody who's got a praise on their lips not for yourself but for somebody else take your neighbor by the hand and tell your neighbor neighbor help you praise out that was the wrong neighbor take another neighbor by the hand shake them and rock them rock them and shake them shake them and rock them and tell them neighbor When I open up my mouth, you gon' get your breakthrough. When I open up my mouth, you gon' get your miracle. I got to get out of here, but I'm better than Joseph. My name ain't in the Bible, but I'm better than Joseph. I didn't become a leader in Egypt, but I'm better than Joseph. I don't have a million dollars, but I'm better than Joseph. Can I tell you why? He had Judah, but I got Jesus. And if I got Jesus, I got everything I need. Keep Judah. Give me Jesus. You can have Judah if I got Jesus. Because he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. Three people and tell them you can make it if you got Jesus, you can hold on. If you got Jesus, you can try your tears. If you got Jesus, is there anybody here who knows my Jesus? Is there anybody here who knows my Lord? Do you know him? Have you tried it? Is he all right? He's like a wheel in the middle of a wheel. He's like fire. Shut up in my boat. Shake three people's hands and tell them Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is all you need. He'll keep you. He'll hold you. He'll sustain you. He'll fight for you. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he fight your battles? Won't he make your enemies your footstool? Won't he give you joy and sorrow? Won't he give you hope for tomorrow? Won't he dry your tears? Won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he? Won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he, won't he? Say yeah! 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 Yeah!
All right, we have reached the end of another podcast. And as always, we thank you guys for taking out time out of your busy schedules to tune in, listen to, and uh, give me your feedback on the podcast each and every week. We thank you guys. Um, As always, we love you. We appreciate you. Uh, And we hope that the podcast has done something special for you on today. A little bit of encouragement, a little bit of a push, a little bit of uh, a reminder of not only why we serve, who we serve, but uh, uh, giving us even more of a determination to continue to serve and continue to be faithful uh, to a faithful God. Uh, We uh, are looking forward to, once again, uh, our service on this fourth Sunday. And you guys, as always, are invited to come and enjoy our service with us. Um, We uh, definitely will be looking forward to uh, what God has in store for us on the first Sunday of of service for our church family um, on the year of 2021. So um, I'm pretty sure I could just be speaking um, from uh, my own personal thoughts, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be one of those services. And anybody who knows uh, House of Deliverance Ministries, we all know what one of those services are. So um, if you have an opportunity to come and fellowship with us on this fourth Sunday of January, I would suggest to anybody uh, to be in the place. That's all I'm going to say. Um, if you're not there, I promise you, I can say this much with uh, much, um, uh, not only authority, but uh, knowing that what I'm about to say is factual. You will be missing out on something major if you're not in the place on Sunday, the fourth Sunday of January. Um, I know how the Lord uses uh all of those who are in that ministry and I'm pretty sure that they all have something that's been bottled up over these last few weeks um, not only with the loss of Mother Ada um, but uh, I'm pretty sure that some uh, had to hold back uh, just a little bit at her uh, home going service and not being able to really give it like they wanted to uh, Uh, We had to tie some ropes around a few of them and pull them back because we knew that it was about to go down. So uh, I'm expecting nothing but pure, unadulterated, unhinged foolishness for God on the fourth Sunday. So if you want to experience what it's like to uh, be in the presence of God in a very powerful and very um, uh, uh, um, just overwhelming way, I would suggest that you would be in the place on the fourth Sunday of January. I'm trying to tell you folks, I feel like it's going to be one of those services. So um, again, we invite you come on through. Uh, And um, for all of those who are listening to the podcast, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Share that thing. It's somebody that you know that I don't know. And there's somebody out there who needs to hear a word from the Lord. So 
uh, we always want to be mindful to not be selfish and just keep the podcast all bottled up to ourselves, but share this thing, send it out to somebody. There's somebody who needs to hear a word from the Lord. So get that podcast out there. Not for me, because I'm still going to give it to you every week like I'm supposed to regardless to who might be listening, whether the podcast is listened to two times or if it's listened to 200 times, I'm still going to give you the same quality every time I put it out. But we can't be selfish and keep it to ourselves. So share the podcast. Get it out there. Somebody needs it more than what you might think. Uh, So with all that being said, we thank you guys. We appreciate you. We love you for listening to a podcast once again. And as always, we will see you on the other side. Listen, I know you guys heard this song already, but we're going to go ahead and do this real quick. We're going to do just a little bit of it, okay? Come on and put your hands together. Let's go,
praise on the floor right here. One, two, three, come on. This is a nobody else could do it but God praise. I don't know who did it for you, but I realized what I was in. Oh, 
is a prophet. That's not my testimony because I'm still waiting for God to do it. So your confession is different. Your confession would sound a little like God do it again. Oh, God. 